Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, March 23rd. I'm Wayne Pratt. Some community organizers in St. Louis say the city's approach to economic development is not working. They say residents need to have a bigger say in what happens in their neighborhoods. Include me, include the community, include the single parent, include the the homeless person, include like include me. St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff will have that story in just a few minutes. Former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens will run for a soon-to-be-vacant U.S. Senate seat. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, the Republican, who resigned amid personal and professional scandal, is the first of a number of GOP members expected to enter the contest to succeed Senator Roy Blunt. Greitens made the announcement of his candidacy on Fox News, touting his brief tenure as governor and his experience in the military as a drawing point for his bid. The people of Missouri need a fighter in the United States Senate. They need somebody who's going to go, as I will, as I'm committed to do, to defending President Trump's America First policies. Greitens served as governor for about a year and a half before he resigned amid a litany of personal and campaign finance-related scandals. While he retains a passionate group of supporters, he also has made countless enemies in the Missouri Republican Party, including U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. That almost certainly means Greitens will face a GOP primary, including from possible contenders like Attorney General Eric Schmidt and several Republican members of the Missouri U.S. House delegation. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Another prominent name in Missouri politics will not seek Senator Blunt's seat. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe says he will focus instead on running for governor in 2024. That will be an open race since Governor Mike Parson cannot run again. States that rushed to expand eligibility for COVID-19 vaccinations early are not experiencing higher vaccination rates. The Associated Press reports places like South Carolina, Florida, and Missouri have vaccinated smaller shares of their populations compared to states that kept more restrictions. Experts say the rapid expansion of eligibility caused demand to surge so much that states couldn't handle it. People's hesitancy to get vaccinated, poor public communication, and unpredictable shipments also slowed down early vaccination efforts. Democratic lawmakers in Illinois are pushing a measure requiring voters to weigh in on privatizing municipal water or wastewater systems. As Hannah Meisel reports, utility watchdogs say privatization is increasing water bills by up to 70 percent. In dozens of towns and cities across Illinois, private water companies have bought up municipal water and wastewater systems. New research from the Illinois Commerce Commission shows in those municipalities, customers' water bills are anywhere from 30 to 70 percent higher than surrounding areas without privatized water systems. State Senator John Connor, a Democrat from Lockport, says at the very least, voters should weigh in via referendum before a town sells off its water system. Here's the problem. Private water companies have a monopoly once they buy a system. And just like quicksand, it's very easy to get into a private water system, but almost impossible to get out. Connor's proposal would make it impossible for a private company to buy a town's water system without a majority of residents voting yes. I'm Hannah Meisel. Missouri University of Science and Technology is moving forward with demolishing a 75-year-old building on the campus in Rolla 
That's on the National Register of Historic Places. The Bureau of Mines Building held offices and a lab space from when it opened in 1946 until the federal agency was dissolved in 1996. Missouri SNT officials say it's not up to current standards limiting the building's use. They also say it would be too expensive to refurbish. The demolition will make way for a new entry to campus from Interstate 44. The St. Louis Development Corporation has been talking about a more equitable approach to give residents more of a say in development. Many say the top-down approach the city has taken for decades leaves many neighborhoods severely neglected, especially on the north side. As St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff reports, groups already working on inclusive development in neighborhoods are hoping the issue is at a turning point. A few blocks south of Hyde Park along Mallinckrodt Avenue, there's a lot of construction going on these days. Contractors are gutting a row of old apartment buildings that have been vacant and boarded up for years. This is two of our properties that we are really looking forward to selling to a first-time homeowner. Michael Woods is the co-founder of the nonprofit Dream Builders for Equity, and he also lives in the neighborhood. He hopes fixing up these former nuisance properties will help draw people back to this part of town. The goal is to do five rehabs a year for the next five years, including an old daycare center down the block. They also offer free home renovations for seniors living in the community. But Woods says it's about more than just fixing up buildings. They're also providing jobs for minority contractors and young people. We want to be able to see our impact. So when you come to the street on Mallinckrodt, you will be able to see a transformation. Uh, and we want to be sure that we are leading that transformation and we're doing it in an equitable way. He's working closely on all of these changes with the Neighborhood Association, which helped him get the properties and told him what residents needed. All of this is a new type of strategy for community development that Woods hopes catches on across St. Louis. The city's development arm is pivoting toward a neighborhood approach, and Wood says part of his goal is to create the perfect model for them to replicate. We're able to say, like, okay, this is what it looks like when you engage the right people, when you engage the community. This is what it looks like when you have people who are from the community participating and uplifting the community. Other St. Louis organizations are also working on inclusive development. Dara Eskridge is the executive director of Invest STL. The organization helps community leaders and developers work together on neighborhood change with a focus on racial equity. She says the city has no choice but to switch up its strategy because what it's done in the past isn't working. She says now is a critical moment. Where we've got like this small window of opportunity to make really big, bold, almost like history rectifying change. But we have to be willing to kind of step through that opening but the other part of it is whether or not our, our conventional power brokers and structures agree that this is something we should do. The fact is, it is an imperative for our region's growth. Eskridge says part of the problem is that many residents, especially in predominantly Black neighborhoods, have had traumatic experiences with development. It's felt extractive instead of collaborative, she says, and it's hard for people to trust the city now. Eskridge says residents need to lead the way forward. Another organization called We Power is helping residents figure out how to do that. Third Ward resident Shamia Reese says working with the organization last year helped her figure out how to talk about development in her community more effectively. Because some of these emotions have been bottled up for so long. When they come out, it's just like a volcano that's just erupted. And so you can't distinguish between the passion, the anger, the hurt, 
or if they really want to make change. Reese feels like she's been left out of the conversation for a long time. And while she's hopeful about the city's new approach, she has one main request. Include me. Include the community. Include the single parent. Include the, the homeless person. Include, like, include me. Back in Hyde Park, Fatima Muhammad isn't waiting for others to come around. She started the Neighborhood Association a couple of years ago and became a developer herself. The goal is to create a space for people to gather. She's renovating a vacant building a block from the park. It's still mostly boarded up since the pandemic has delayed the work, but that's not what she sees when she looks around. This food truck park will be there. This will be a whole courtyard seating area. This will be the art exhibit area. Our beehive. Muhammad calls this apiary at the park. Inside, it will house the Be Well Cafe, a co-working space, a test kitchen for food entrepreneurs, and apartments on the second floor. She says things are finally changing in the neighborhood. Well, it's not coming. We're making it happen. Ultimately, whether the city commits to inclusive development or not, these community organizers say they'll keep pushing for residents to lead the change in their neighborhoods. I'm Corinne Reff, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We are a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.